0: Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos in Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fowles. Uh, Professor Frederick Aldama joins me today to talk about Latinx Comics. Dr. Aldama, among many things, is a prolific writer, professor, and creator of the first documentary on the history of Latinx comics, and editor of numerous book series, including Latinx Graphics, a trade press series that publishes Latinx graphic fiction and nonfiction. Bienvenido al estudio, Frederick.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, Talk to us about Latinx representation in literature in general, uh, but in Latinx comics in particular.
1: Yeah, so, you know, we've had a very odd kind of, as you might imagine, history in literature, in mainstream literature, in that we're usually pretty stereotypically depicted or usually where the um, space of kind of white transcendence and Mm -hmm. transgression, actually. So, like, in literature, you think of or I think of something like On the Road, uh, you know, something that students study all over the country. But the big kind of moment for the white protagonist, Sal, uh, Sal, is when he crosses over the border into Mexico, and kind of realizes his humanity in and through that brown space. Mm. And then it's kind of reborn. And that's a pretty typical trope in the way that Latinx brownness, right, Latinidad, is mm. figured in the literary imaginative in this country, um, see a lot of that too with mainstream comics and Mm. the way you know latinx are either buffoons sidekicks a kind of Mm. uh criollo kind of zorro savior figure um in mainstream comics pretty typically now in the 70s we started to see some interesting uh characters like white tiger much more complex very rooted in his He's a Boricua, you know, um, superhero rooted in his Puerto Rican, U.S., Puerto Rican identity. And he's amazing. Um, George Perez, you know, drew that for us. And it's a really incredible moment in mainstream comics where we get a fully fleshed out Latinx character. But even today, we still see, you know, characters, uh, you know, that like vibe and others that DC and um, really doesn't do too much with in terms of complexity, background. Mm -hmm. They're just kind of thrown out there and if it sticks with readers and DC makes money then they'll keep at it and if Mm -hmm. it doesn't they sort of pull away from it. But the really exciting stuff is happening with the Latinx comic book creators Mm -hmm. and that's where we're really seeing you know Latinidad and all its complexities and all of the kinds of ways that we exist in terms of Language and phenotype and ancestral background and history all really come out. So that's the vit- vital sort of core of comics for Latinxes today.
0: Okay. Um, so, what are some of the common themes or concerns expressed throughout this genre?
1: Yeah. So, especially coming from our community of creators, w- there's a whole range, mm-hmm. um, but very often, you know, whether it's a superhero character or a more kind of independent alternative story that's set in and around a Latinx character, it's really about getting our stories and voices and experiences, our histories out there. Mm -hmm. So even, um, you know, Carlos Saldana's uh, comic Called Borrito, which is an anthropomorphic superhero, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a little uh, burro, a donkey that's mm-hmm. a superhero. You know, it's it's not Disney, right? It's mm-hmm. definitely someone who wants to have this comic book character that's a donkey, but who is very concerned with so- social issues, like you know the problems with undocumented peoples, et cetera, et cetera. Then you have, you know, people that are just coming right out of the gate, like Eric J. Garcia's Drawing on Anger, which I published in the Latino Graphics trade press that you mentioned at the mm-hmm. beginning of our talk, you know, where he's just, look, I want to reveal the all of the kind of corrupt, um, decrepit social tissue that's sort of Surrounding us as Latinexes in this country, all the vitriol, um, the history mm-hmm. of, you know, um, punishment and surveillance on our peoples. So, yeah, it's a wide range and stories coming out of Puerto Rico, stories mm-hmm. coming out of, you know, Texas, California, mm-hmm. all over that are regionally rooted and, and interested in the populations there. It's everywhere.
0: I do like uh what you said is taking back our stories right uh, from our own perspectives and and we saw this in literature and in, in latina latino literature you know in the seventies and the eighties the nineties was a big like boom right and and um so some of the com- common themes then was coming of age this coming of age stories uh do we also see this in latinx or are we moving uh beyond that
1: yeah no definitely the com that's yeah it's it's interesting in lots of ways it's less restricted than we saw with literature and by that i mean we're because of the internet and because you know quite simply you know these are creators that are really skilled visual narrators Mm -hmm. right visual storytellers they pick up their pencils and papers or their tablets and they draw these Mm -hmm. stories and then they can get them out, you know, for people, um, for them to find big audiences. So the internet for us and for Latinx creators today means that we're seeing a much wider range of our stories Mm -hmm. out there than we did even with the boom that we saw with uh, Latinx literature in the 90s. And Part of it is that that was all still very controlled by East Coast publishers and mm-hmm. editors that were deciding what kind of stories were going to be out there, what mm-hmm. kind what kinds of stories we could tell. So at one moment, they were going for the coming-of-age story. Another moment, they're going for the magical realism, but they're controlling the flow. Mm-hmm. And what I see today with the comic book creators is that we're in control. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's. Always a good sign when you're in control of, of, of the narrative and and one of the things I guess that comics does is that it provides this visual representation as well as the narrative right story yeah mm-hmm.
1: really important right mm-hmm. um, especially for many of us that you know um, maybe Spanish dominant that are coming you know to English in new ways mm-hmm. or even first sort of this is the first encounters. Mm-hmm. The visuals and then, of course, the way characters are drawn and their interactions visually allow us to infer meaning and even start to kind of cross-reference words that appear on the page that we might not know, Mm -hmm. but then we can start to generate meaning from because of the visuals. So, yeah, I think it's a really exciting place, and it can reach more of our audiences.
0: Right. Um, who are the biggest readers of Latinx comics, and and why why do you think that is? I um, maybe this is a stereotypical image for me. It, the image that I have is young younger people reading comics, but as that's I'm sure that's not necessarily the, the what's happening out there.
1: Yeah, if you go to like the Latino Comics Expo um, every year in California, mm-hmm. this coming 2019, it's going to be in Modesto, mm-hmm. California. You'll see, actually, it's everybody from, you know, our abuelos to the little <laughs> ones to, you know, people, my you know, our, my age. Um, and the range is there. So they're, you know, the kinds of comics that are going to be really exciting and fun for little ones to engage with and maybe for us to read with our little ones. But then there is also going to be the ones that have these really sophisticated, complex plots and narratives and kind of adult philosophical psychological sort of workings and themes that are going to appeal to us so yeah we're really it's really a broad range I would say that right now the majority audience is not just generational, like across from mm-hmm. the beginnings to the ends of our lives, but um, I would say that it's predominantly Latinx. Mm-hmm. Um, those it's the big kind of the big audience and the big support for the comics that we're growing from our community. So
0: you're thinking millennials are are pretty,
1: yeah, millennials, and they're they're out there creating too, mm-hmm. and that's what I love um, as well. Is that We're seeing, you know, where typically the history of comics has been very male and white, with the Latinx in the last decade, we've actually seen this tremendous growth of uh, Latinas Mm -hmm. and also uh, LGBTQ creators coming in and doing their stories. Right.
0: Uh, within this genre, do you see? And you just mentioned, um, you know, this opportunity for underrepresented groups. You mentioned that primarily white um, uh, writers or creators uh, were, you know, at the beginning that that that's who was writing or uh, producing the comics. So this is really. The time, or do you see the Latinx comics now as this opportunity to open doors for women, Afro Latinx, indigenous peoples to tell their story?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, someone like Zeke Pena, who's in the collection, um, well, there's many in the collection that actually go back to our indigenous roots and want to bring that into the fore. In their particular shaping of a story of mm-hmm. plot and so on, uh, Rodi Montijo did this really great comic called Pablo's Inferno, and actually Pablo, little Pablo, is on his big wheel and he gets run over right in the first you know couple of pages. But what's incredible about the story is that it's a story about his journey into Mictlan, into the underworld, mm-hmm. and then he becomes, in a way, kind of his mind becomes decolonized in and through his re-education or his encounter with the pre-Columbian codex is mm-hmm. telling of his pre-Columbian ancestral history. And he's, in the end, he's sort of, kind of reborn and brings life back to his community. And they are able, after a long drought, to have a wonderful crop that they harvest the corn crop, and they are able to re themselves as a community. So, you know, things like that, where we have, in a really complex, respectful way, our past, our ancestral past, and the different ways that that ancestral past informs in today, coming into our comics. Um, we have superheroes like El Muerto, who also has a journey, you know, through the underworld mcclan and comes back as this not exactly zombie like you might see in a kind of you know walking dead comic mm-hmm. but a dia de los muertos figure who is in limbo but very much alive in limbo between the two spaces mm-hmm. of what we conventionally call sort of life and death
0: mhm great Um, So tell us about um, your most recent edited collection, Tales from La Vida, a Latinx comic comic anthology. What do we find there? Uh, Tell us a little bit more about this volume. Yeah, so years
1: ago, um, I had first the idea that I wanted to launch a trade press series, the Latino Mm -hmm. Graphics with OSU Press. And part of it was that while the Internet has been this really important emancipating space for us to find our audiences, Um, as comic book creators, there is still something to be said about these books being in libraries for kids, for adults, you know, to find and sit with and really kind of have the texture of Mm -hmm. the book with them. Right. And the mainstream spaces were still gatekeeping. They still gatekeep our stories. So a lot of the creators were going to some of the, not I'm not even talking about Marvel and DC, but some of the alternative comic publishers like Fantagraphics, IDW, um, uh, Image Comics, and they were getting turned away. And so I thought, look, you know let's do mm-hmm. this, Latino graphics. Let's provide a space where these books c- can exist. Mm-hmm. These stories can exist as books. And at the same time, I knew that I wanted to put together a, a collection of works by all these amazing Latinx creators so that someone, first, someone that was new to this space could come and be enriched and discover Mm -hmm. and be like, wow, I love the story and the style that it's shown in, visually geometrized, and I'm going to go find more from this creator. Um, Also... I wanted an abundance, and we do have an abundance, over 80 creators mm-hmm. collected here. Mm-hmm. And so I asked the all of the Latinx creators, and by the way, also some African Americans that I paired with our Latinx creators, um, to create stories where they would go back to a moment in their lives that was significant, like a hinge moment, whether as a Latinx person or as a creator, and to really think hard And tell that story visually within two pages. So that was the constraint. And everybody um, stepped to it, and now we have Tales from La Vida.
2: Mm,
0: Wow. And um, can you, I don't know, share with us uh, one of those stories or maybe a couple? Yeah.
1: So, you know, these are really, um, you know, OSU Press. I've got to hand it to them and, of course, all the work on the part of the creators because – I mean, this This volume is pretty extraordinary. The print quality, mm-hmm. image quality, this is like, it doesn't get any better than this. And, you know... And you have
0: some black and white and some color. Yeah, okay. so
1: full color um, and black and white. Some, you know, some of our creators choose to, you know, visualize their story in black and white, mm-hmm. and that has a certain significance. Um, you know, black and white as you know, asking us as a reader to kind of fill in the color mm-hmm. and the emotion that color evokes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there, yeah, there's some that are full color or there are some with a limited palette because, you know, very intentionally the creator wants to use that limited palette to also convey meaning and also trigger certain kinds of emotion. But, yeah, a couple of them, but I'll highlight one here, Que Significa, by Ivan Velez Jr., You know, this is in many ways a very conventionally laid-out comic, two-page comic in terms of panel. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, you know we're either moving from square panels to rectangular panels, but very the layout itself of the panels is pretty conventional. But what goes on within the panels is pretty significant, and he asks. Uh, Ivan Velez Jr., by the way, he decides to paint himself, Mm -hmm. color himself in this sort of blue, like an alien blue, that as the story unfolds, starts to uh, turn more and more um, light blue um, as he becomes more solidly fixed and solidly present in himself. But he asked the question, what is the most significant moment in my life as a Latino? Mm -hmm. And so in many ways, he's repeating the constraint that I gave all of the creators. And he says, aren't all my moments Latino? (laughs) Aren't they all significant? Mm -hmm. Was it the moment I told my mom my pee-pee stood up when I watched Hercules? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, was it the moment when he realized that, you know, he was – actually gay, that he had a desire for men. All that Spanish and fear pouring out of her seemed kind of significant, right? As when she found out this she became very like horrified and the visuals project that, portray that. Mm -hmm. And then he goes through all of this and he says, Or was it how about all those years when my mom got deeply into Santeria watching her and the others roll around the floor possessed by the spirits of the day. Was that the moment mm-hmm. when he was, I am Latino?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's one of many, right? But this idea that's really important that he's also connecting to a spiritual tradition right. that's very much a part of his Puerto Rican latino that's not Catholic or that's a blend, right, mm-hmm. a syncretic mm-hmm. blend of Catholicism and, and um, Afro- Um, indigeneity are my latino moments judged on significance or worthiness by the gaze of others Mm. is that how i come to identify as latino through others that social mirror Mm -hmm. and then as we sort of get toward the end when i open that old book about the devastation of the indies and the fate of the indigenous folk after the arrival of columbus And read about his soldiers feeding the babies to their dogs in front of their people, their parents. Imagining what they had to feel as their world, their hopes were destroyed, and how their tragedy was mostly erased and ignored, Mm. it made me cry. This identity, this construct called Latino, started from blood and pain and suffering But all anyone cares about is the rice and beans and salsa music. Mm. That moment I understood. Si, soy Latino. Soy pato. Soy gordo. Soy pobre. Soy viejo. ¿Y qué significa? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So in just two pages, he is, you know, giving us the complexity of being Latino, right? That goes beyond your appearance or or one aspect, right? So that's great, and that's this is what we find throughout the this volume.
1: Yeah, in all of the sort of rich and very varied ways,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. philosophical too. Like, really makes you think, stop and think about what is saying is being said.
1: Yeah, and I love it too because it really radically moves us away from the kind of rice and bean stereotypes,
0: right? right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gustavo Arellano, uh, one of your reviewers uh, Says that this collection, mm. in this collection we find humor We find politics and desmadre mm. And so I wanted to ask you What's the most representative of desmadre in this collection? What does he mean by that?
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, We could... You know it, that's a really complicated question because, <laughs> well, because visually there's some stories that are just like what is going on here. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everything seems to be going on visually, mm-hmm. and it's like a two-page that's just actually no layout, mm-hmm. no sense of how our brain is going to give order to all of this sort mm-hmm. of this chaos of imagery.
2: Interesting,
1: but at the same time, the verbal elements are so poignant and so strong that they give us an anchor, right? And they allow us to give meaning to this sort of multiplicity, this massive range of, mm-hmm. of um, experience and material that we're encountering. So, you know, or it could be the reverse. It could be, you know, very ordered panels, like the one that I just talked to you about, but that give... Voice to a very disordered, very uh, kind of textured, rough, chaotic, non linear -linear Mm -hmm. content. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would say that, you know, when you come to this, you're going to find all sorts of ways that. The comics work with, you know, the order, the linear, and then the disorderly and the the sort of chaos of life. Mm-hmm.
0: So this collection just came out uh, September, right? And so uh, is this the first volume of this series? What's the so, plan for the future?
1: Uh, yeah. So actually, I launched Latino Graphics with a book called "A Diary of a Reluctant Dreamer" by Alberto Ledesma, and I launched the series with his book because it's a diary of a reluctant dreamer it's Mm -hmm. the narrative visual narrative journey of someone who spent a majority of his life without documents in Mm -hmm. this country and Mm -hmm. in telling that story he also reaches beyond himself to the many undocumented latinx's in this country and visualizes, gives expression to the kinds of everyday fears, Mm -hmm. the paralysis that um, many in our community sort of experience every day. Mm -hmm. So I launched with him for that reason. I wanted to make sure that that was our first book, Mm -hmm. and it's been remarkable. In fact, Ledesma Mm -hmm. just received a big national award um, for the book, and I'm really excited. The After that, we had one from Ilan Stavans and Santiago Cohen about um, what's called Angelitos, very, very tense, very complex re-rendering of a history of Mexico City and the at once sort of care of an adult figure and by abstraction, extrapolation, the Catholic Church for children that have been orphaned and lost, and at the same time, the kind of vulnerability of those children in the hands of an adult who takes advantage. Mm. And so another story that's we need to tell, right, mm-hmm. that needs to be out there. And then Drawing on Anger just came out. I mentioned Eric J. Garcia's, basically his sort of satires that really kind of you know, pull the the layers back on society and this one uh we have you know a whole i have a whole pipeline full of really great stuff coming out um what's exciting to me is that we're you know getting stories in that will be out soon that are coming from latinas mm. you know latinas mm-hmm. and that's going to be an exciting moment to actually have books comic books out there that are Really, the reconstruction of sort of reality in and through a Latina creator's mind.
0: So, this is um, coming up like a female voices. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. And this is, would be
0: one
1: author voices. or, or
2: a yeah. collection? No.
1: So, single authors. Single author. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. From here on, from here for a little while. Yeah. That's it's going to be single I'm authors. But excited. many, many yeah. of the authors that are in this collection um, sort of have now decided that they want to grow Mm -hmm. these two-page stories into books. And Mm -hmm. so that's what's going to be feeding the Latino graphics.
0: That's great. Uh, Frederick, what else would you like our audience to know about your work or about you or maybe even the classes or how to incorporate uh, Latinx uh, comics into the classroom?
2: Yeah,
1: I just think that, you know, know, one thing that I do in my classes and in my work is Dissolve the sort of line that's been drawn between pop culture and, say, high culture or museum mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. or, say, high literary book culture, mm-hmm. and that we can learn as much from a comic book as we can from something that is, you know, has been canonized. As- yeah, canonized esteemed as a value to read you know somehow sophisticated so really uh, sort of erasing that line that's been drawn in the sand and I think you know our work in the classroom our scholarship and then our actual publishing of you know folks like the ones that are in Tales from La Vida and the ones that are in Latino graphics can do that work.
0: Okay, great. Uh, Frederick, thank you for this conversation and uh, for coming here to the studio to talk to to us about the work that you do and congratulations on, on everything that you're doing. Thank you. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima.